0: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the DocuRated Sales Enablement Podcast. Earlier this week, I had the pleasure of spending time with Paul Bickford. Paul is a sales training and enablement leader at Epicore Software. To begin with, Paul told us about his background. I started out in sales. I was in sales in a few different industries. I became a presence club salesman and sales manager. And then I was tapped on the shoulder to apply for a sales training manager role. And between my background in stage acting and being an English major in college, both worked well towards the platform skills needed to engage an audience from training capacity. And then my my degree helped me with developing curriculum and uh applying what I'd learned about instructional design and, and um and then from there I just learned how to be training and development expert you know i thought initially it was a death by powerpoint you know you just get uh, in front of people and speak to a powerpoint and i learned all about adult learning theory and how to engage people and how to create interactive learning experiences and with a focus on skills application in a learning environment and then how to measure uh, development and performance as an output of learning events and um i don't know then i got international training uh started doing uh keynote speaking and, and that sort of thing and uh going international, and I guess I've been in the training and development sales enablement function now for 10 years, and I'm always you know, learning more, and the more I learn, the more I realize it's really all about, uh, I should say this, the linchpin to results is always about frontline leaders tying in training objectives into their performance management strategy and driving consistency and keeping up momentum from a change management perspective to get results. Thanks, Paul. That's a very interesting background. What do you view the strategic mission of sales enablement being? For us, I think we keep it simple. We've come up with a definition at Epicor of collaborating with the sales, marketing, and product management teams to provide tools, processes, skills, and knowledge designed to consistently increase sales results and productivity. So I like that we kind of keep it simple, but I think it still touches all the points where sales enablement needs to have influence and, dare I say, oversight um, across an organization. Uh, What I've been trying to drive is um, more around trying to get the right tools, more around um, making sure there is uh, management, engagement, and development to support the learning objectives via the way that they coach their people, helping them come up with a coaching cadence, trying to focus with recruiting where we can to uh and managers to make sure that we are hiring the right people assessing for ability because you know you can teach skills you can share knowledge but you but you got to hire for talent and ability you can't teach ability so if you've got the wrong people the best training will fail and it will come across it could come across that the training is subpar or not effective where um quite possibly you've got the wrong person in the role. So. But I think the biggest thing I've been trying to drive or have been doing is um, getting certifications for the sales group. So you think if you're familiar with Kirkpatrick's levels of training evaluation, you measure uh, afterwards, do they know it, right? So you take a test. It's a written certification, but it's basically a test like you take in school, right? Do you know it? Not have you been exposed to it before, but do you know it? And then from there, you do an oral certification, uh, which is basically role play. Prove that you can do it, prove you can have a meaningful conversation hitting the the various points that we're trying to drive um while having fluid enough transitions that it sounds natural and is natural and is genuine uh, as a communication uh so we prove you know it, we prove you can do it, and then the biggest part or the most uh I'll say difficult part buzz is. Are you doing it consistently? And that's where, like I say, the management involvement in coaching and oversight is so, so, so important because I find that um, whenever I work with a management group, I'll ask, and it's also the directors of the managers is equally important, holding them accountable. But I say, tell me about, do you coach your people? And that's for the directors or the frontline managers. And they always say, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I say, great, tell me about that. And the answer is almost always the same. And they say, well, we meet once a week. We talk about pipeline. We talk about deals that are forecasted to close this quarter. Uh, what do you need? What's coming up for you? Whatever. And I always say, that's fantastic. Obviously, you have to do that. Please continue to do that. However, that is separate from professional skills coaching, performance or I should say professional development of your people enhancing and evolving their skill set. What kind of coaching do you do there? And most will say, gosh, you know, I I really don't. Um, And so that's really where there's a focus uh, for me on making sure they kind of inspect what we expect as far as outputs and objectives of training events and, hey, just KPIs, right, just um, the job in general even outside of obviously what we're driving um the things that they're supposed to already know that they should need training on are they out there doing it because we can know things but you got to have skill and will right skill will and ability are the three point uh the three elements to performance and so you can have the skill to do it but if you don't want to do it or if you have the confidence and comfort with the skill set to apply it then that's the other piece where you have to focus on is it intrinsic will or it's something they have to bring to the table, or is it an extrinsic will because the le- leadership needs to help motivate? Do they have the right environment and tools to be successful? That will help them be more comfortable in being willing to apply the things we're driving. So there's so many, it's so multifaceted, just making sure, one, well, we get visibility to all those elements. And two, that there's a responsibility and understanding that we need to provide those things or help people work with those things um, so they can be successful. I worked for a very large company in the telecommunications space and, uh, we had a real challenge when I came in around where salespeople were being hired and they were washing out within six months and it was all over, all over the, the various, um, regions in the division. And one of the, one of the things that was, we found was that, uh, they were hiring people and then not spending the time with coaching and the people weren't being successful and it was because it was a new job, they were really excited, you get out there, and then you go, Man, this is really hard. And um I'm not sure that you know I'm I'm comfortable with doing this and I'm not sure that I'm very good I does not seem like I'm very good at this. And that's where you really need people. Um people really need that nurturing, you gotta pull them really close, walk them through their, their uh discomfort, help them understand why uh the current processes and, and methodology are what they are and then go out and not just coach them by sharing with them how to improve with those customer touches, but model the behavior. Spend a lot of time, say, show them what good looks like. You take the call. You talk to the next customer. Let them watch you. And it also sometimes provides visibility. If the manager's not comfortable, do they need – I've been doing that in Epicor – do they need to be certified? Do we need to make sure that they – Right, especially if the program wasn't in place when they were in sales, they may not be good at modeling the behavior. They may not understand how to apply it themselves because they're in a leadership role and making sure that they also can walk the walk. And there's so much buying and credibility when you think about extrinsic motivation where they really respect that leader, they want to follow that leader, and they see that leader as somebody that is willing to roll up their sleeves and, and do what they're asking the salesperson to do. Paul, I want to go back to your definition of sales enablement and right at the beginning you mentioned collaboration with sales, marketing and product management teams. Now uh-huh. each of those teams are very different and they all have different goals and objectives. As a sales enablement leader, how do you align and align all those teams Around what needs to be done to grow the business. Well, and that's that's one thing where I think in sales enablement, you have to be well, you have to be able to influence without authority. You have to be willing to be good at managing upward um, and connecting the dots. Because yeah, I mean, this part it's easy to say it, but the execution of it right can be very challenging. If you have different people with different agendas and objectives. Uh, where you hope there's alignment and this ways you can work towards that. Um, but you have to be sensitive to, you know, the people, the politics, the organizational processes, the various levels of social capital and credibility that the leaders and um, players with each, with, within each of those functions that they have. And um, so essentially it's trying to figure out – to me it's it, – it's all sales. It's like, and that's worth. it one thing that I think that's helped me in my background. I don't have, you know, I don't come from a sales operations background. I don't come from an HR background when you think of training and development. I, having come from sales and sales management myself and coming from the business side and then having been successful, um, I think it's helped me give me credibility in having those conversations. Um, but essentially, managing upward, making sure if you're having a hard time, or if one is having a hard time connecting and getting the right, let's say, tools. From product management, trying to reach out to those leaders yourself, um, trying to see where things are at, trying to help them prioritize based on what their outputs are, and then, if possible, leveraging the strategic level or social uh, capital of the next person up the food chain, or sometimes it's a couple people up the ladder, to uh, facilitate some higher-level discussions around getting those things done Usually we can have those conversations um, at our level. But I think that's one thing. you got to have a seat at the table. And I think it was Robert Jefferson who's in my network. It may or may not have been him. He's a sales name leader for Marketo now. Marketo. Or somewhere yeah. else. But I, I think, I'm pretty sure it was him. It may not have been him, but I'm pretty sure it was him that posted something on LinkedIn that said, um, if you don't have a seat at the table, you better grab a folding chair. And I really love that. Because if you're not respected as a, senior, as a, a strategic leader um, within the leadership team, if you're not seen as someone who's credible and viable, you're not going to have the stick and the function, and it's going to be hard to get movement and focus from these other groups that don't report to you. Um, to, so to me, it's all sales. So the best salespeople find out what are the business issues, what are the gaps between real and ideal with the customer situation? and show how what you want to sell is, will will plug that gap, will help get them where they want to be, whether they dealt with you or not, and show them how um, what it's costing that customer to not close that gap is far greater than what you might ask for them in the way of purchasing your product or service to, to create that return on investment uh, understanding. And so I think in sales or in selling, The agenda of sales enablement it's showing how our agenda is simply helping you meet your agendas and where do you need to be, how are you measured, what are you trying to accomplish, and showing them how the outputs we need from them to drive success through the sales team and their outputs helps them look good, helps them meet their goals, helps them in the way their performance is measured, and um, showing how we can connect those things. And then I think it's also being sensitive to what their priorities are and trying to help them prioritize the tools that we might need. Um, Sometimes it's an understanding, maybe from a sales side, of um, the kinds of leads that are being created or the kinds of collateral needed to drive meaningful, more sophisticated business conversations and those sorts of things. And so sometimes it's a matter of um, doing a one-off and piloting Uh, something or working on something on a smaller scale, showing the output and say, gosh, if we had more tools like this or if we could spread this across the organization, think of what uh, the ramp up in productivity or results could be and get by in that way because then it's not an abstract conversation. It's, hey, we've done this. We've seen this and we've shown this. That's what I'm doing right now with the certification process with our sales development group uh, to try to show the results of doing this so we can get accountability from the field sales group and their senior leaders and their vice presidents to say, okay, we need to do this too, um, to help hold people accountable. And so far, even just abstractly, they are on board uh, as we have shared metrics and information of why this this sort of um program and structure is successful. Um and asking for their involvement and content. That's the other piece I think. Instead of just going and doing things, meet, meeting with each of those groups and saying this is what we're we're driving, this is what we're teaching, this is what we're trying to influence. Does this align with what you're trying to do? Does this content sound with what you have available or what you're trying to do? And I think it's just making sure that everybody's locked in lockstep, you know, arm in arm in the same direction. That way if there's a gap or we don't get the results we want. Ideally, it's not about pointing fingers and saying, well, you didn't do this, so that's why that didn't happen, or we didn't have this for you, and that's why it didn't happen. And it, it's not that sort of situation, but it's more of, hey, this was a gap. That's fine. How do we address it now? And it's proactive. And I always say making the conversation for the environment developmental, not evaluative, right? If it's evaluative, then I grade you, I judge you based on where you're at, and you could come up wanting, and then it's a defensive conversation. But if it's developmental, it's like, okay, these are the results. We want better results. What if we did it this way? What if we provided this? What if you were able to do this? Would that help with what you're trying to drive? Because I think it would help us. And I think it's also about the tone of the conversation to create that goodwill and have people be more um, transparent and willing to work with you in how you handle that and how you drive. Uh, conversations. Thank you very much for your time today, Paul. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this edition and I look forward to publishing the next version of the Docurated Sales Enablement Podcast sometime very soon.